The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Finish Strong Friday presented by winners. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Dude, I got to tell you, Bri, you know who wanted to win? Alex Quas. K-W-A-S. I clicked on his profile. I think he's from Northville, Michigan. Let me just tell you, I think Alex retweeted and liked every post I made about the podcast this week, and you did as well. Like, it's not that hard. A lot of them are the same people, the same loyal people that I love. Those are my peeps, Andre Yeager and the crew. But then every once in a while, somebody just decides, you know what? I want to win a signed picture or I want to win a signed card. And that guy this week, Alex Quas from Northville, Michigan. Alex, I love you. That was epic all week. I noticed it, bro. I noticed it. You got on board. Loved it. You are the spread the word winner. Just email me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and boom, you can let me know if you'd rather have a signed, it's not like an 8x10, I guess it's like a 4x6 of me with the Buffalo Bills, it's a pretty cool picture, or you can say, you know what, Ross, I would rather have a football card signed by you, and I have Bills, Redskins, and Cowboys signed football cards still, so... All you have to do is let me know. We also have a sponsor confirmation email winner. That's another really easy contest. I should mention, by the way, for the social media thing, it's either at Ross Tucker NFL or Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker Pod. Those are the two things you can retweet on Twitter or like on Instagram or whatever. I'm even like, we're doing stories on Ross Tucker pod. I put some of them on my stories. Speaking of all that, by the way, we got a major announcement next week that I am beyond fired up about. You guys should be as well. We're having a good month. Earlier in the month, 
We told you that we became DraftKings guys. We are DraftKings now, Team DraftKings, for at least the next year and hopefully years after that. Um, everybody knows DraftKings, loves DraftKings. And I think right now they got like a $1,000 bonus if you use the code Ross, which is pretty awesome when you get the app. Um, so that was an earlier announcement this month that we are DraftKings guys. And now we'll have another pretty awesome announcement next week that I think a lot of you are going to be very fired up about. Um, in terms of the sponsor confirmation email winner and us being fired up about that's Paul Nelson. And he took advantage of the keeps offer where you get one month of treatment free. All you have to do is go to the homepage, RossTucker.com and scroll, scroll down or Go to the Sponsors tab, and it's the third one on the left. You just click on that Keeps button, and boom, you get your first month of treatment free. I take Keeps every morning, every night. I got a bald spot. You can probably see it when you see some of my social media or whatever. Bald spot, middle, back, trying to keep the rest of my hair for as long as I can. It is what it is, but congratulations, Paul. You did the right thing. By going to keeps.com. I think it's keeps.com slash Ross. But anyway, just click on it. We got to find that out, Brad. I can't remember what it is. Um, but just click on the uh, the logo at, at RossTucker.com. That's where all of our sponsors are. So you can always just go there. And if you're forgetting something, just go and boom, click the logo. It's really that simple. Um, we got to have a new... Uh, we're going to have a new virtual happy hour soon, by the way. Patron shout-out goes to Ryan Bredden. Ryan is a college football player, a D2 football player at St. Anselm, and he signed up to be a patron, patreon.com slash rtmedia. And the biggest reason why he listens to the show and wanted to become a patron, Greg Cosell. Cosell's concepts. His... Teammate at St. Anselm, he's like a 6'4", 240-pound tight end. His teammate said, you got to listen to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you got to listen to Greg Cosell, Cosell's Concepts, on Friday. They're awesome. He wants to be a coach, and so they listen to Cosell's Concepts and love it because it's helping them in their goal to be coaches after their playing days. How cool is that, by the way, Greg? That's a lot of pressure, Ross. Now I'm, I'm starting to break out in a cold sweat here. Well, don't. I'll ask you about <laughs> some players first, and we'll say it's a Finish Strong Friday. It's Big Show time. The Big All right. Show. All right, Greg. So before we get to protections, which I'm very excited about because this is one of the ones I know the most about um, today, I did want to ask you, about two guys that are in the news for very different reasons. One is current Jets safety, Jamal Adams, who has said he would like to be traded. He, I guess there are reports of like the seven teams that he'd like to be traded to, which is interesting. Yeah, I saw um, that, yes. Yeah, so, but what I want to know from you, Greg, as always, what exactly is the type of player that Jamal Adams is. And so for teams considering trading for him or their fans or whatever, what would they be getting in Jamal Adams? 
Well, he's very, very good at what he does, but he's a specific kind of player. He's almost really kind of a hybrid safety linebacker. He's really good near the line of scrimmage. He's an outstanding blitzer. The Jets over the last couple of years have used him in that role quite a bit. I mean, he's theoretically a safety, but he could end up with eight, nine, ten sacks. He's outstanding at blitzing, uh, really aggressive. There's a physical, competitive nature to his game. He's a tempo setter for your defense, uh, but he's not a post safety. So you have to understand if you're going to sign Jamal Adams, exactly what he is. He's outstanding at what he is, uh, but he does certain things exceptionally well and other things you wouldn't ask him to do, and that's fine. You know, that's not a knock on his game. He's just uh, he's just really, really good at the things that he does well and super, super competitive, and I think that always means something. So that's interesting that you said that, Greg. Because I knew that he was really good near the line of scrimmage. And I know about him as a blitzer, and I know how physical he is, and I know how he, when he runs the alley. But I didn't realize that evidently he's not a great middle-of-the-field player. or you Because know, I, I, when I think of the great safeties, right? The Ed Reeds, uh, Polamalu, Earl right. Thomas, um, Sean Taylor – they were able to do the box stuff, but they, they also, also deep, right? were really good post safeties. That's the middle. That we talked about coverages recently. That's the safety that's deep middle a lot of times that they ask to really cover a lot of ground and kind of be the last line of defense in coverage. <clears throat> I didn't realize that that was not a strength of his. No, that's, that's probably the one. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a weakness in his game, but it's not something you would want to ask him to do consistently. He certainly can play on the back end if you're playing split safety. I mean, if you're going to play quarters, uh, if you're going to play cover two, he, he could probably handle that because there's less range that's required. But as a pure post-safety, you mentioned in Ed Reed, Earl Thomas comes to mind. Jamal Adams is not that kind of player. Um, he's better moving forward. He's better playing downhill. He's very physical. He has no problem taking on blocks, even offensive lineman blocks. That's the nature of his game, and he's really, really good at it. Now, one thing he also is very, very good at, very often in man-to-man coverage, he will match up to a running back as opposed to a tight end, although he has matched up to tight ends in the past. Um, He's very good at what we call a green dog. We talked about that when we talked about pressures, where if he has a back man-to-man in coverage and the back stays in to pass protect, Adams is then outstanding at adding into the to the rush. He's really, really good at that. He has a great feel for finding the opening or the crease to get to the quarterback. The other player I wanted to ask you about, Greg, is wide receiver Debo Samuel. Of the 49ers, he evidently has a Jones fracture of his foot out perhaps 12 to 16 weeks. He's saying 10 weeks, but, you know, players always think they're coming back earlier, et cetera. Um, What he obviously had a terrific rookie year. So we'll start with just what you saw from him and what the Niners will be losing for however many games he's out. Well, he's a physical receiver. Uh, he's 
lined up in multiple positions, including X. We saw as the playoff progressed how effective he was on jet sweeps and orbit reverses. He's very, very good run after catch. He's very good with the ball in his hands. He can work the middle of the field, which is an area that the 49ers work really often and effectively, and he fits that profile extremely well. So they will certainly miss him. Um, You know, that raises the question now of where the rookie Brandon Ayuk fits in uh, with no true offseason and an offense that has a lot of uh, complexities. Who knows how a rookie will jump right in? Uh, One name I wouldn't mention who was there last year but on IR all year, who I really liked coming out of college is Jalen Hurd, uh, and he's back this year. But they will miss Samuel quite a bit because he fit his skill set fit exactly what they do. You know, you mentioned Brandon Ayuk. It sounded like, just by, based on you and other people during the pre-draft process, it actually sounded like Ayuk had a lot of similarities to Debo Samuel. And it's almost like the the Niners, I don't want to say they anticipate this, but they, I, I thought, wow, that, there's a little bit of redundancy there. But they they didn't feel that way. They they took Ayuk, and I mean, if he can do some of the things that Debo Samuel did last year as a rookie, he could maybe fill some of that void. Sure. Now, obviously, when you trade up and draft Ayuk in the first round, uh, you expect Ayuk and Samuel to be on the field together. So in their mind, while they might have some similar traits, which they do, they didn't see them as the exact same player where one had to play and the other had to sit. They anticipated them being on the field together. But Ayuk does have some similar traits as Debo Samuel. He certainly is effective with the ball in his hands. He's effective on the move. He's an explosive athlete. You certainly can use Ayuk on jet sweeps and orbit reverses, just as the 49ers have used Samuel. Let's get into now, Greg, our co-sells concepts for the day. It is unbelievable. You know, when we start a series like this that we've never done before, you don't really know what the reaction will be, but lots of emails, lots of people on social media, they are absolutely loving this. A lot of requests for specific co-sells concepts that we can cover. I don't know. we got people that want us to do special teams. Greg, you don't watch that much special teams. No, no. I'll be the first to admit, Ross, I don't watch special teams. I don't know much about that. Yeah, I think I, I think I emailed the person that said I, yeah. I, I had a couple people say that I'm like, yeah, I don't think we're going to get into special teams. But <clears throat> we are today going to get into protection. And I guess I'll start with this, Greg. I think, number one, I think it might be the biggest difference between college and the NFL. Yep. And number two, I think it's probably, for whatever reason – the most important slash most underrated, underappreciated aspect of the sport that you just don't hear people on talk radio talking about that much. I think we've gotten better in recent years with how important it is for quarterbacks, how important it is for running backs, their, you know, how they figure into the pass protection scheme. And it's not just, oh, the line gave up a sack. But I still think, Greg, it might be underrated in terms of how much of a difference maker pass protection is for different teams around the NFL. You're 100% right. You talk to any offensive coach, whether it's an OC, a quarterback coach, 
you can't have a pass game without protection. It's as simple as that. If you can't protect your quarterback, you can't have a pass game. So it's number one. Um, and, and here's how I would start, just to, because we want to sort of go from A to B to C on this if we can, Ross. Pass protection starts with numbers. Most things in football are numbers-based. And by that I mean how many players are you going to allocate for pass protection based on a given play call because that changes the nature of pass protection. If you're going to pass protect with just your five offensive linemen, there's only certain things you can do. If you're going to add in a sixth player, be it a tight end or a back, that changes the way you can protect. If you decide you're going to have seven in pass protection based on a play call, that, again, changes the way you can protect. It changes the concepts and schemes. So it starts with how many people you're going to have in pass protection based on a given play call. It's exactly right, Greg. And it's interesting because talking with some people, it actually has changed quite a bit even since when I played, there are still base rules, but yep. they they are so much more advanced, Greg, in trying to ID exactly yep. who's coming and just having the big people pick those guys up and sort of bastardizing their standard rules than we used to be. Yes. And a, a, as an example... We can go through some of like the uh, the core protections, right? And the idea is, you heard what Greg said is it starts with numbers. So you either have a five-man protection, a six-man protection, or a seven-man protection. But then within those protections, you are responsible for certain defenders. And the easiest one or is, is probably a, a slide protection, and that is when the offensive line, they're almost always going to be responsible for the four down guys or the three down guys or the five down guys, however many there are. And then if there's three, you'll pick out two more guys that they're responsible for. If there's four, you'll, you'll pick out one in a slide protection. So, for example, in a, in a typical slide protection, Against a four-man front, the offensive line will be responsible for the four defensive linemen and the will linebacker, usually. And then if it's a six-man protection, like it usually is in a slide protection, the running back will be in the backfield, and he'll have what you call a duel from Mike to Sam. So the line has the four down guys and the will linebacker, the running back has the Mike or the Sam, whichever one comes. If they both come, he takes the most dangerous of those two. And that, Greg, is where you should have a hot route or a sight adjustment built in, which I'm going to hand off to you on that part of it, Greg, because the, what's important there is to illustrate that really everybody – is tied into the protection. The line has to know who they're blocking and get them. The back has to block the most dangerous of those two if they come. But both the quarterback and the receiver to that side have to know, well, hey, if both those come, I need to get the ball out of my hands quickly 
And this receiver needs to break off his route quickly because that's our answer because they're bringing one more than we have to block. Well, most issues arise in protection versus sub-defenses for the reason you initially started with, and that's the issue of identification. There's always going to be five offensive linemen on every play. Those five offensive linemen are going to be responsible for five people. Uh, Now, there's man pass protection concepts and there's zone pass protection concepts. So if you have a man pass protection concept, the five offensive linemen are going to pick out five guys who they're going to be responsible to block. Now, in the old days, it was fairly simple because there were almost always four down linemen, even in, in third and long situations. So they'd ID the four down linemen and there'd be one other guy. And nowadays it's different in sub fronts because people stand up a lot of people on defense, they move people around, but you still have to ID. There's still rules. You're not pass protecting on the fly. So there's rules. Who are the five we're going to block? Now, defenses know this as well. So now what happens is if you choose to block with six, and let's say you make the back part of your protection, then the back has an extra guy who's not part of those five. So you technically can handle six. If you have six to pass protect, you technically can handle six. But where this gets tricky is when teams overload to a side on defense, because that becomes very difficult to pick up. Now, there's combination protections where a slide is in some ways a combination protection, as you know, because you may start a slide with a guard, and then the guard, the center, the other guard, and the tackle might slide, let's say, to the left. Then the right tackle and the back, who would normally be lined up on that side, on the right side, the right tackle on the back would actually be in a man protection concept. They would block man-to-man away from the slide. That's the way it normally works. And we, we don't want to get into too much detail. You know that very often this slide starts with an uncovered offensive lineman, but that we don't, we'll just make the point that a slide is a combination of a zone protection and a man protection on the backside. And ideally, you're then picking up any blitzer. But defenses know this as well, and they can bring an extra guy to the man side, and then there's no one to pick him up. And that's where the that becomes the quarterback's guy. He has to recognize that, and he has to get rid of the football. And that's what you just called a hot or a side adjustment. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. One of the things that changed while I was playing is that it used to really be the center's job to potentially change protections. And really, if the other team was going to do something, Greg, that made you throw the ball hot, you stuck with your rules and you threw the ball hot, right? Like they brought these two guys. We're going to break off our route quick and throw it to that guy. But then offenses, including my, my first experience with it was New England. I know Peyton Manning was doing it in Indy as well. But they started to say, you know what? If we know these guys are coming, let's change our rules during the play and let's make sure that we block the guys we know are coming 
so that we don't have to break off our route. And actually, they're bringing six. We can block up all six, and then we're going to get man-to-man or some very favorable coverage. So when I first got to New England, if they were bringing, for example, if, if Brady knew a Mike Sam was coming and we were sliding for the will and he identifies whoever is the Mike as the middle linebacker, if he could tell that the Mike and Sam were coming, he might redeclare the Sam linebacker as the Mike linebacker by just changing the number. So rather than, hey, yep. we're going to 50-54 as the Mike, he'll say 52 is the Mike. What that means is that the offensive line will then pick up the will, because that's our rule still, but the new will was the original Mike, and the running back will pick up the new Mike, who's the Sam, and so that blitz will be picked up. So the defense might think Brady's going to throw it hot to the right, but he doesn't have to anymore because it's picked up because he changed the ID, he redeclared the mic. So right. both of those things, Greg, were, were new to me when I went to the Patriots. Number one, the quarterback doing stuff. And number two, redeclaring and re-identifying linebackers to fit within the parameters of the existing rules so that you can pick up what you believe to be the known blitzer based on the safety rotation and a lot of other stuff that, that's a little bit more complicated. I'm just trying to make the point that you can change the identification of the linebackers to pick people up so you don't have to throw hot and let them tackle you for a six-yard game. Well, and that's exactly why when I – and I've been talking to a bunch of coaches this offseason – simply because they have more time, as I do, uh, and they will tell you that quarterbacks must fully understand all protections. You cannot leave it up to the offensive line because quarterbacks must be responsible for changing protections pre-snap because pre-snap is when the games and the plays, the specific plays, are really won and lost in today's NFL, particularly when you get into third and long situations where the defense is very multiple, very diverse with their alignment looks and their pressure schemes. The quarterback must be able to recognize all that because you cannot live on third and long with hot throws. The defense will be more than happy to have you throw a four-yard pass on third and nine and tackle you. So you cannot live on hot or sight-adjust throws on third and long. You must pass protect. You must pick up blitzers. And so, therefore, you can throw the ball at the desired level to get first downs. So you're exactly right. It all comes down to identification. But the one thing you cannot do, as you know, is you can't change your protection in the middle of the play once the ball is snapped. So then it becomes incumbent upon offensive linemen, and this is a phrase we often use as accelerated vision. Very often offensive linemen do have to react to whether it's a stunt, a game, a, a, a third-level pressure, meaning a secondary player. You have to be able to see that and react to it because it, it, they could be part of the pass rush, but they're coming from distance with speed. And the one thing you said, Greg, that's really important about not being able to change the protection in the middle of the play, 
is that the most important thing is that everybody's on the same page. And most that's why there's important rules, thing. I mean, people don't think of, you started by saying protection is one of the most overlooked elements. It is. And there's rules. You, the guys don't just line up and say, OK, let's let's block for the quarterback. There are rules. And we're not going to go, you know, go through every single rule. That'd be too much. And you need to see that stuff. You need to visualize it. But there are rules for every pass protection, for fronts, for looks. Everybody has to know this stuff. You know, it's not random. And, and there's rules for everything in football. I mean, very little is random. But particularly with five offensive linemen matching up to defenders who are, by all accounts, better athletes. So there have to be rules. You know, it's interesting, Greg, as we're talking, right? And by the way, you try to identify everything so that you get this, the, this, the protection right pre-snap. But sometimes they fool you. But everybody, right, but everybody has to stick with their rules because as long as everybody's on the same page, even if they have an extra guy coming, the quarterback will know that. The quarterback will know that he doesn't have an answer if that guy comes. Okay, I, I thought wrong before the play. They brought this other guy instead, but I at least know that ahead of time. So if you're going to be wrong – you need to be wrong together, if that makes sense. And defenses um, exploit those rules, as you know. They might line up four or five defenders to one side of the offensive line, knowing that the offensive line will then make a slide protection call to that side. And then what they might do is the defense, that is, drop three of those guys out and bring two from the other side. And therefore, they know that the protection call was a slide to the side that initially had five potential rushers, but they don't come. So now two or three come from the other side. That's what the good defensive coordinators do. That's when you often hear the term, well, they broke down your protection. That's what defenses are very good at. There's a lot of coaches who are really, really good at that. And the number one reason I'd say, Greg, guys that I know that were really talented didn't make it in the NFL is they just, couldn't mentally handle – I'm talking about offensive linemen, but even right. some running backs, by the way, and no quarterbacks. Question. They couldn't mentally handle all of the intricacies of the pass protection rules and changes, et cetera. We, you know, I, I don't want to go into all of it, Greg, but scat protection is when there's only five offensive linemen. You're trying to right. identify the five most dangerous. A dual protection – is when the line might slide, but they don't. They're not just sliding for the will. They're sliding like if you hear Tom Brady say Rita, that's a duel to the right side where the line is picking up Mike to Sam, whoever comes from that way. Then you have just a straight Mike protection, which is I think the best protection and the easiest one, where you got the four down guys and the Mike and you really keep things firm in the pocket. But the point is, Greg, it's really, really important. It's really intricate. And there are defensive coaches whose entire job is to try to figure out, pouring over the game film, what the offensive line's rules are and exploit them. And they can do that because, Ross, as you know, there's not 100 protections. You know, 
I mean, there's obviously not just one or two, but there's not a hundred. So if you, if your job is to study a team's offense and their protections based on their personnel, and again, then it's five man protection, six man protection, seven man protections. So if your job is to study that, you can figure that out. That's what coaches do. Greg, this was amazing. It always is. I think this was our longest one. I'm sorry, but we just got <laughs> into it and we were rolling and it was terrific. And we had to ask you about Jamal Adams and Devo Samuel. Thanks so much, as always, for this edition of Cosell's Concepts. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Man, that was fantastic. That was, what was that, like 25 minutes of just straight GC knowledge? I'm loving it. I, I like that you guys like this as much as you do. I was a little bit nervous if it was too, like, inside football, but you guys love them. I'm loving it. By the way, you can get more Greg Cosell content at FantasyPoints.com. Those of you that listened to the Fantasy Feast yesterday know that if you go to FantasyPoints.com and use the code FEAST, all caps, and then forward me the email, Ross at RossTucker.com, you can go against me and Joe Dolan in our next Best Ball 10 draft. I'll be announcing two more winners next week. We did three winners yesterday. I love Best Ball 10 drafts. Joe and I went over some of the decisions that we each made in our May Best Ball 10 draft on yesterday's Fantasy Feast. But Greg has all kinds of scouting reports on there. So one way or the other, whether you're into fantasy or you're into Greg, you should go to FantasyPoints.com. Just make sure you're using that code FEAST, all caps. Well, it's official, Ross. For the first time ever, Hard Knocks is going to feature two teams, the Chargers and the Rams, as they move into their new SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles and deal with the coronavirus. Well, I think what they've realized is that it makes sense with two teams moving into a new stadium and they're in the same city. But also, team, you know, teams have to sign up on what you show. And I just think after what happened with the Browns and Hugh Jackson and stuff, I think teams are just more and more hesitant when it comes to actually showing anything of interest. I thought the Raiders was pretty dull. So... They're going to try to have two teams now, and hopefully out of the two teams, they'll get some stuff that's interesting that they can use. And by the way, I mean, the Raiders last year, the Rams and Chargers, they're doing it for marketing purposes. They're, they're trying to drum up more interest, you know, for their teams in those cities. So it, it's a business decision for them. Takes. Speaking of the coronavirus, Broncos safety Kareem Jackson tested positive. Dr. Fauci said in an interview that it's hard to see how they're going to be able to play football this season, and the NFL will reportedly have 16 guys on practice squads this upcoming season. Several thoughts here. Number one, are we really going to announce and make a big deal after every player that tests positive? I mean, when they all come back for training camp in July, they're going to get tested before they report, or when they report, then it'll, you know, until they have the test results, those guys will stay away. They won't do anything. Are we really going to report every guy? Because if, you, if you're following, paying attention to college football, there's going to be a decent amount of guys that test positive. They don't even know they have it. So I, I don't know. 
As for Dr. Fauci, so I'll be very clear about one thing, and I think you guys know this. I don't really pay close enough attention to politics or current events or news to really speak confidently or knowledgeably on a lot of these things, which is why I usually shy away. I will say that I think Dr. Fauci and what he says has been politicized in some way. I don't really know. I don't follow it closely enough. The only thing I'll say is I've watched and listened to several interviews with Dr. Fauci and it, it seems like he's changing his tune and I know things change, but you know, first it was no masks. They don't help. Now masks are the big thing that they highly encourage. And I highly encourage you guys to wear them because that's what the science has told us over time. And I don't think that that should be a politicized thing. But I'll also say this about Fauci. There's several interviews like with Peter King and others, you know, pardon my take where he said, yeah, we can have a football season. You just have to do this and this and test the guys a lot and whatever. And now he's saying it's hard to see how they can play football. So, and I don't know what the science-based factors are that he's saying that on, but it does seem like he changes his tune sometimes, which I think uh, makes it tough for the public. You know, anybody changing their tune, whether it's the president or Fauci or whoever, it really, it really makes it difficult when people are changing what they're saying because it's like, okay, well, what do I believe? Who do I believe? Uh, NFL having 16 guys in the practice squad makes perfect sense to me. Um, I would probably even bump that number up to 20 just to give them a, a nice buffer of having 73 guys that are sort of available because what if you have an outbreak and you have 10, 15 guys have it? You still want to be able to have, you know, good 46. I guess they look at it like if that happens, they'd still have 46 healthy bodies um, to be able to play in the game. But I think 16 is probably a good number. I, I, it, it's absolutely the right move. Some Colin Kaepernick news as Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn said he is on the team's workout list while Kaepernick signed a deal with Medium to publish feature content on race and civil rights. So the first thing I would say about what Anthony Lynn said on the workout list, my initial reaction was, okay, then why don't you work him out? Why is he not? Why have you not worked him out? In other words, if he's on the workout list, I don't know. I'd, I'd work him out. And I'd also say, whatever interest people have in Colin Kaepernick, right? There is not, in my opinion, an argument for you should sign Kaepernick over Cam Newton. I mean, let's not forget Cam Newton is still available. You know, like MVP Cam Newton, who is reportedly finally healthy. So I think Cam Newton should probably get a job before Colin Kaepernick, although they might have different, you know, different desires. Cam Newton might be all in on, he wants to make sure he gets a, 
starting job somewhere or has a chance to have a starting job, and Colin Kaepernick might be happy to be a backup. As for Kaepernick's deal with Medium um, to publish feature content on race and civil rights, I, I think that's really unique timing for him, for that to, to come out now, because there are plenty of other guys, Malcolm Jenkins and others, that have other interests and are very civic-minded and involved in other things, etc. But if you're Colin Kaepernick, I think if, you, if, if football is really important to you and playing is really important to you, I would not have done this deal now. I would not have allowed them to announce this deal now because it at least creates either a, an excuse, an additional excuse as the case might be, to not sign him for teams and or once again shed some doubt in the minds of some of the decision makers as to how important football is to him. So um, I think it's great. That he's going to do that stuff. I just would have told them, hey, don't announce it until after training camp. Let's at least let me try to get signed, get into a training camp. Um, because now it's right or wrong, it will be in, in people's heads. Ducks takes. Well, Ross, as we were talking about race, most of the NFL teams announced that they are going to observe Juneteenth, which is today, and giving their employees a day off. I saw that. I think it's pretty much every team. I don't know if the Cowboys are doing it. I think maybe Gerald McCoy said something about that the Cowboys should do it. Maybe they are doing it. I, I, I lost track of how many teams were observing or were not. But uh, i got to be honest with you, I, I, I'm not sure I ever heard of Juneteenth until the last couple of weeks. But I think it's great that all of those teams have jumped on board and they're giving their employees the day off. You touched on them as players, but thoughts on Debo Samuel's injury, Jamal Adams' trade request, and Josh Gordon's reinstatement application. So, I mean, Debo Samuel, what, what an embarrassment of riches the Niners have that they'll have Jalen Hurd back from injury and they drafted Brandon Ayuk in the first round. I mean, they're just very impressive organization. Very impressive. And Debo Samuel will probably go on PUP, probably missed the first six games, and come back and be awesome the second half of the year. Basically gives them an extra roster spot. Jamal Adams doesn't really want to be traded, by the way. He just wants to get paid. He saw Eddie Jackson become like the highest paid safety the day after the season ended, after his third year. He thinks he's better than Eddie Jackson. He probably is and wants his money. He's eligible to get a new contract now, and he wants it. That's it. That's it. I don't think he, he needs to leave the Jets. He just wants his money. And then Josh Gordon reinstatement, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, we've talked about this so many times over the years. I hope, I hope it works out for him, and I don't know what else, what else there is to say at this point. Uh, he's a young man that's had a lot of issues, and I hope this time is the charm. Um, but we'll see. I will say this, Bri, uh, last thing. Probably your last chance to try to get a myfrontpagestory.com story for your dad. I know that they're still writing them. If you order it right now, if you're like a procrastinator, if you order it right now, they might be able to interview you today, write the story tomorrow, and send it to you in time for Sunday morning. Or you can just tell your dad. 
that you got him the greatest Father's Day gift of all time, but you don't have it yet. It's coming in the mail. Myfrontpagestory.com. That would be my recommendation if you don't have anything for your dads yet. Other than that, we had a great week. Really a great, great week. If you didn't go back, listen to the College Draft Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Andrew's Business of Sports was excellent. And I am very fired up for our huge announcement on Monday of next week. And Monday's guest, Nolan Rucci. A little bit of a change-up for us. He's not only the son of a former NFL lineman, longtime starter for the Patriots, he is one of the top 10 players in the country and arguably the number one ranked offensive lineman in the country as a high school player. So you'll get to get in the, in, inside the head of a six foot eight and a quarter, 292 pound 17 year old who is projected as a future first round pick and what's going through his mind and what he's thinking at this stage of his life. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Shout outs to Pizza Boy Brewing and DynastyFreaks.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.